And good Monday morning to you. My name is Jeremy Torgerson. I am the CEO and Invest of Invest Advisors LLC. Rather, we're a Texas-based uh, registered investment advisory firm located in very, very sunny, hot, scorching hot, and very humid Brownsville, Texas. Our website is www.investadvisors.com. Just take the I off the word invest and run it all together, investadvisors.com. Um, you can also track and follow us on social media of every variety. We put these podcasts on iTunes. There's also a video version of them on YouTube. I think I've seen even some websites uh, that are podcast-friendly are grabbing this without uh, me even knowing it. So if you see and Money in 30 podcast around, that's us. You can also watch and follow the firm on Twitter, Facebook, Google+, Plus. oh my goodness, uh, LinkedIn, anywhere you can probably go for financial uh, uh, or social interaction, we're there. Um, we can also see some of our publications now on LinkedIn Pulse. You have to look for me specifically for that, which is Jeremy Torgerson. You can look there. I want to give a special shout-out this morning. It's Monday, again, August 22nd. Um, we have uh, many, many school teacher clients, and not just school teachers, but school district, I should say, employees um, who are clients of Invest Advisors. And my children were both uh, graduates, recent graduates of uh, the Los Fresnos Consolidated Independent School District here in Brownsville, the Brownsville area. Fantastic school district, fantastic people. My kids got a fantastic, awesome, awesome education and um, uh, many great clients and friends that are part of that district. So I'm glad you're all back to work doing very, very important work for our kids Thank you, school teachers. No matter where you are in the country, you guys do a great job for us. Um, I want to give us a talk this morning about um, why you might consider, if you're working with a financial advisor already, or if you're shopping for one, why you might want to change course or consider not doing business anymore or at all with a financial advisor. So then this actually came to me not because we have any you know particular axe to grind with financial advisors, but we get in this industry, and I'm sure many others, if you have an, a field of expertise, uh, reporters for major publications love to get professional uh, people to give quotes for their articles. And so I got one, I think about a week ago, from a reporter, and I'm not sure when they'll publish that, uh, but they said, can you give us some information on um, uh, why a person should not work with or fire a financial advisor? So I thought about that and wrote her a very long email back with my uh, with my answers and then realized, well, that's about a, a blog post length anyway. I may as well just go ahead and put that on our, our firm's website. So I did put that up. You can go to the website, look at the bottom of any page, you'll see recent blog posts, and you can have the full text of what I'm talking about today, Nine Reasons to Fire Your Financial Advisor. When I started the uh, my practice, and I was with a major firm when I first began, as most people have to be, you have to be trained uh, somewhere, and I was trained with a major regional wirehouse in the United States. Uh, it's a very large firm. We, uh, I started in October of 2000, I'm sorry, August of 2008. So it was right before the collapse of Lehman Brothers and then that subsequent plummet of the stock market that, that bottomed out in March of 2009, about 53% down, I think, on the Dow um, from, from its highs. So it was a devastating time to start being in business. Um, but it was an interesting time in the sense that 
I had I picked up a lot of clients in that time because of the inactivity mostly of their current financial advisors. So I there was and they go through a period of time when people were very much just as a as a collective looking to change financial advice. It's always during down markets when you get mad at us as your financial advisors, although we have very little to do with controlling it and nobody has a crystal ball to see when the markets are going to go down. And anybody that says they do, they might be right every so often, like every every very so often, but I would be very cautious about a, a financial advisor that says somehow they've either got a system or they've got special knowledge or insight that can predict the future. Um, but people actually will do that in this industry, among others, to put themselves out as some sort of an expert and differentiate themselves that way. But anyway, I, I uh, picked up a lot of clients in that time. And then ever since, um, when we've brought on a new client, and we have clients all over the country, it's not just here in South Texas, um, but I'll always ask them, how did I earn your business? Well, how, or how did your previous advisor lose your business? And many times it was, you know, they, well, they stopped being responsive or we just weren't happy with returns. But nobody can really give me sometimes a very specific reason why they fired a financial advisor. So this morning, I just wanted to talk to you about, um, as I answered these questions for reporters, I thought, you know, this is important. How, how do you know if you're working with the right person or not? Or from an inside person looking out, and I don't know even who listens to all of these podcasts, so it's not like I'm talking specifically to you. And I'm not trying to make a pitch for you to become a client of ours, although if you like what we do and philosophically we fit, then great. You know, talk to us about it, and we're not going to push you to do it and, and um, uh, try to bully you into becoming a, a client. Uh, this is a this relationship between you and me, a professional relationship, is built on trust. It's built on uh, the fact that you're going to share a lot of really deeply personal information with your financial advisor. Um, and you're laying your blood, sweat, and tear money you, and your, your hopes and dreams for your future in the hands of this person. And so it's very important that you've picked the right person or it's okay if you realize a few years down the road that maybe this wasn't the best fit and maybe I should look elsewhere. So I want to give you this morning, and I'll quit uh, giving it preface and just get into it, nine reasons that I believe that you could consider working with a different financial advisor. Now, let me start by saying the first thing, the, the caveat is this. You will not hear in these nine items that my account is down is a reason for your uh, for you to fire your advisor, okay? We'll all have times, if you are invested in anything, that your account value may be down. Okay, there are certain times, that we, and there's nothing, to, there's nothing wrong with the investment, and there's nothing wrong necessarily with the financial advisor's advice or service. There are just times when the entire swimming pool drains with, of water at the same time. And if you think about your investments like beach balls floating on the swimming pool, even the most sturdy, solid, well-built beach ball, there are times the beach ball will drop if the water level in the pool drops as well. So it's very, very important that you understand that the financial advisor is not a prophet. It is not, he, is, he or she is not a, a, a fortune teller. And really, if you are a financial advisor who listens to this and you make pledges to your clients of X dollars of return or X percent of return over the market and you just, if you're really bragging about the return you can provide for your clients or that your particular strategy is going to wow and amaze 
and, and never have a down thing. Shame on you, and and you're just you're going to have you're you're going to be swallowing your own words very quickly. So, um, anyway, that's not a reason necessarily to to um, fire a financial advisor. Unfortunately, that's probably the most common reason that people move from a financial advisor is they get impatient for a particular strategy to work. And that's just something I want you to keep in mind. Just because the account is down is not necessarily a reason to go. Now, if the account is just consistently down for years over the other market, yeah, you need to look at that. That's a different thing. But if the market drops 25% as a whole, as a broad market drop of 25% and your account fell 15%, you may not like that, but there's something in the advisor strategy that saved you from that other 10% fall. That's not a bad thing, okay? Just... Keep that in mind. But here's the, the things that I think should, should eliminate a financial advisor from your consideration, or honestly, that if you're already with them, you should probably move on. Here's number one. If they act like less of a planner and more like a pitch maker. Okay, and I know that everyone knows this dude, okay, this or this, this uh, guy or gal who's in this business. They've got a big smile. They're wearing a beautiful suit. They've got the, the, I mean, like their new account application is still warm from the printer. You know, you know these people that they engaged you for the appointment knowing that they were going to get your, 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 they're taking your business, okay? That feeling that you get from a, from someone you're sitting with that they're going to, they're just sort of pushing hard to get you to, to sign up um, is a big red flag, Okay. This relationship is very unique because you can't, it's not buying a refrigerator. You can't buy the free, you can't, you know, open the doors and pull the drawers out, shut it, take it home, and you're done. Okay, this is about a person saying, let me hear from you what's important to you. Let me hear what, what your dreams are. What keeps you awake at night about money? You know, what do you want your money to do? I mean, do you want to help your children, your grandchildren? It's all so very, very personalized that anybody that comes at you with, um, an idea already in mind before they get a chance to know you um, or they've got this product that by God they just know is going to uh, be the right thing for you um, is a, a financial advisor to avoid. Let me give you a, a true story about this. When I was brand new, right out of training financial advisor, I had set up an appointment, my very, very first appointment uh, with a with a prospective client, and I was so excited. And she was a, a woman who had her husband had passed away, left her some money. She had not managed it well, and she was down to not very much left. I, I can't remember the exact amount now, but it was like less than a hundred thousand. And she really needed to stop spending it, try to turn around and grow uh, some money back. But I got to the the her house for her appointment before I even had an office. And I was just so eager, and I sat down, and I was so full of great information about uh, how to allocate, you know, your investments into mutual funds. And and she was mostly like the reason that she really had gone through it so fast was that she was a very unsophisticated investor and was mostly just a bank customer. She had her entire lump sum from uh, the death benefit of her husband's life insurance in a savings account, and she. Uh, was spending it with getting zero percent interest on it and paying any tax on whatever you know pittance of interest that the bank gave her, and I was so so excited to come in and talk to her about yeah we can do a mutual fund you know thing and and I just like I know we can do this and it'll be great and I was earnest and I was sincere that I really wanted um, 
to to help her. She needed to try to grow her money, and I knew exactly the right thing to do, and this is going to be great. My goodness, what a good time because the markets are down, and I just really came on too strong. And I never got her business. She was very reluctant. She was um, put off by it, and I think that she had every right to be. When an, when a salesperson, a good salesperson, finds out what you need and what you want, and then gives that to you as a solution, okay? Or if they have the right solution, they can do that. Um, but when you have, I already had the idea. See, my problem was I went at it already with the right, with a solution in mind, before she even understood that she had a problem, and so I barreled over her with just kind of like vomiting out too much information about how these funds work. And let me draw stick figures with you know my little famous stick figure drawings I do in appointments. And it just was so overwhelming. It paralyzed her and she never became a client. Her son eventually did for his own needs, but she was always, you know, very standoffish uh, about giving us uh, an account. And I, I totally understand why. Guys, think about it in terms of dating. If you go on, a let's say, a blind date with somebody and they are so, so eager and needy across the table from you. Um, why? It's going to be off-putting. It's going to be, I don't want that. I don't, why, why are they coming at me like this? And you would be naturally leery, naturally, you know, turned off and suspicious. And you should be from a salesperson doing that because that salesperson is coming at you because they need you, not because they need, they have something that you need. They're, you have something they need. They need a sale. Or they need an account. So that's my number one is if you, if you have a, an advisor that just comes across from minute one is Mr. Slick, you know, hi, how are you? Kind of thing. And, and, uh, they've got the solution already. And, you know, that you just feel like they're trying to kind of push you to, we are the experts, you know, you yeah, we're the experts maybe on, on how to manage money, but you're the expert on you. And you need to know, the, the advisor needs to shut up long enough to listen to you and hear what does this money need to do for you, for your family? And then what, what's the goal for it? How much time do we have to ride ups and downs? And then what kinds of investing have you already done? What do you feel comfortable with? What do you feel like when you open that statement? What are you going to understand right away? So if they don't take the time to really probe your comfort level with certain investments and, and understand what the money is supposed to be doing for you, I'd run, okay? Number two, if after you become a client, you never hear from them, okay? Now, this is something that, that I can say is none of us will be perfect at because in this business, we have things that come up. You have new business coming in. You have clients to service. You have, you have a lot of things, especially if you're a small shop, that you have you know, marketing to take care of and compliance needs. And there's a lot of things in the business that happen behind the scenes. And your advisor may very well be working on your account behind the scenes. And, you know, I'm even guilty of telling, you know, trying to make sure like in my personal commitment, I want every client to be contacted proactively by me um, at least every quarter of the year. So every, every 90 days, that is, we're trying to get that done. And sometimes it happens and I'm so proud of myself. And then sometimes I can't connect with a client. They're out of town or something. Or I just get backed up, um, you know, where I tell myself I'm going to get to 20 clients this, today before I go home. And you're all the way to 8 o'clock p.m. And because of other things that have happened in the office, you got to 11. And then you've got to knock down some more the next day. So I'm not faulting an advisor. And you shouldn't either if they're not perfect at this. I'm not talking about an advisor who, you know, just just you know they're working but communication is something that isn't happening with as much regularity in that case just tell your advisor i'd like to hear more from you 
And the advisor was like, awesome. We have to walk a fine line in this business of communicating with you, but not over communicating with you to where you're like, ah, what does that guy need when you see the caller ID again? So we have to kind of walk a delicate balancing act. For me and my clients, once a quarter is about the most, most of you want to hear from me. A lot of you don't want to hear from me unless there's a problem. And so we know that. So we send out you know, email communications and more mass communication things to keep you up to date on what's going on. And then when I need to get in touch with you, I do. Um, but I'm talking about there's a difference between a busy advisor and a lazy one. And a lazy one is one, in my experience, that um, never keeps in touch with you. If you haven't, here's another thing. If you haven't heard from your financial advisor personally in like more than a year, fire that advisor, okay? Because we are required by our industry regulations to have at least annual reviews with you to see what's changed in your life and and look at the account and, and assess the strategy and make sure that it's all still suitable for you or in the case of a fee-based advisor who's responsible like a fiduciary, um, then you have a that extra burden of making sure that everything I'm doing for you is always in the client's best interest, not just suitable for you, okay? So if you have an advisor who you haven't heard from in 18 months, fire the guy, okay? That's something that you absolutely should do. Um, it's very, very different than than having a busy financial advisor in a busy office who will get to you and, and, and is attentive when they do get to you. You know. You know if somebody's busy or if somebody's lazy. You know it, okay? Number three, if they work on commission, now, this will probably make some of my, the industry people that, that listens to this um, angry with me. And I'll tell you, I'm not going to get into too huge much detail of, you know, we can battle this one out um, later on. But there are two basic ways that a financial advisor can be compensated, okay? Both of them, by the way, you're paying for, even if commissions are a little harder to figure out how the advisor got paid for helping you. Um, all advisors get paid from money that ultimately came from you, okay? So there's two ways we can do it. And I, and some advisors actually do both ways. They call those people dually registered or hybrid advisors. Um, but you can either take a commission for selling the client a product from, so the, the, the client buys the product from a vendor or an insurance company or some sort of you know mutual fund house and then that mutual fund assesses some sort of sales charge from you, the client, and then remits part of that to the advisor. Okay, So that's one way. So it's basically the same thing if you buy a car, you go down to the car lot, you pay the car dealership for that car, and the car dealership cuts a little bit to the salesperson. Okay, Or a real estate transaction, basically the same thing. The other way that can be uh, advisor can be compensated is by a fee directly from you to the advisor. So there's no roundabout through a product. It's just a flat fee, either a flat fee. The advisor could say, I'll manage your account for $500 a year. Or the advisor might say, in, like in our case at Invest Advisors, we say, we, we, we manage your money for a percentage of the assets in the account. We call that assets under management. So if your account is 100000 and we charge... Um, you know, 0.75%, then we, that's our take. Okay. And that comes directly from the account directly to invest advisors or your financial advisor. It doesn't get routed through a product. Now I say all of that just to give you a quick explanation why I don't think in this day and age, you should work with commissioned advisors long-term. Number one, an ethical advisor. Okay. First, let me, let me talk commissions. Let me go back up for a second. Commissions, uh, if I'm paid on commission, that means I am paid to move your money 
from one into a product. Okay, I'm not paid for the performance of the product. I'm not paid for the for the success of the strategy. I am paid at the time that it moved in. So I'm paid for the transaction, not the result. I hope that makes sense. Okay, so when you have a guy who is earning a commission, okay, then that product may be great. And I'm not saying that commissioned advisors are unethical. I'm just saying that 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 if I when you are commission oriented and you are commission paid, when you're when you feed your family on commissions, a couple things happen in an advisor's mind. One, they are always chasing a commission instead of servicing the clients that they already have because they've already been paid on those clients. Okay. Number two is they do what we call in the business whale hunting, where they just want that big, big, big account. So the clients that generate the most revenue for them, um, whether they're you know people that are continually buying and selling trends, you know uh, stocks or bonds or things, or clients with the great big accounts, will always get more service and attention than the client with the smaller account or the client like with the real stagnant account who you know, own several stocks for 10 or 15 years and they're just holding on to them or they own a bond portfolio and they're just getting interest and there's really not much to do. The advisor makes no revenue from your account going forward. So there's very little incentive to go back and service it. They have to keep constantly lifting up the rock looking for that next client. Um, now, contrast that with a uh, fee-based advisor and this is what now, and there are some things you got to watch for for fee-based guys. Like they take a fee and actually don't do anything. That's a problem. But on the fee-based side, instead of me being paid to move your money in and out of things over time to make my, my pay, I am paid now to grow the account. Okay. For example, if we had that same $100,000 account and an advisor charges, let's say 1% fee on that account, the total advisory fee for that year, 1% of 100000 would be $1,000 over that year that the advisor would be paid to manage that money for you. Okay. Now, as the account is invested and growing, hopefully, let's say that the advisor gets an 8% return on that account over that year, and now you're at $108,000 at the end of the first year. And the advisor's fee comes out again. Because the advisor did a good job and grew your account, that 1% of that larger account is more money to the advisor. So instead of $1,000 like you made last year, that advisor made you 8000 but is now able to, uh, their fee this year because the account grew is $1,080, okay, instead of the 1000 So an advisor who's paid by a fee is money motivated to grow your account, not move it in and out of things, Okay. So that was, in fact, something that I, when I was a duly registered advisor for a long time, um, that I always had an ethical quandary about. If you're an ethical commissioned advisor, you know that you're not going to want to touch the client's account very often because every time I touch it and move something, it's going to cost you money. So I started to feel that I was kind of painted into a corner in a way where I, there are things that we wanted to do for you that we could maybe make some changes that would benefit the account, but I always had to weigh that against the cost of making the change. And if, if there, if it just wasn't cost effective, um, then we just didn't do it. Okay. And, and so I felt like there were times that I could have given even more aggressive, more hands-on service to your account, but I was hindered by the fact that I did not want to charge you additional commissions. Now that may sound nuts because what commission salesperson doesn't want to generate commission. 
But that's what an ethical one will do is an ethical advisor who's on commission will not touch your account very often and probably put you in as few products as possible so that you're there's less um, under the under the hood to have to fix and tweak. Okay, so that's one that's one of the reasons that I would say that in this day and age, it used to be a little bit difficult to get uh, smaller accounts um, put with a fee based advisor, and in many cases it still is. Many of them have account minimums. By the way, shameless plug: we do not at Invest Advisors. You can be a uh, an account with no balance. You can start with zero. And, and at a, a fee of less than 1% for some of our programs. So please let me know uh, by email or, or shoot us a line if you want some more information about that. There is no reason anymore with the technology that exists um, for you to pay uh, extraordinary uh, commissions on products. There's just no reason for it. So, all right? All right, so that's the third one. Number four, um, if despite good intentions... They always seem to fail to do what they say they will do. Now, that's probably a business 101. If you're going to be in business and you're going to hold yourself out as a professional, act professionally. Um, do what you say you're going to do. But if you have an advisor that makes promises um, that and breaks promises, yeah, 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 I'll be there. I, I've actually had a couple clients come to me because they had appointments uh, scheduled with the advisor and then the advisor didn't show up. No phone call, nothing. I mean, that's just to me was like, how could you take a client that you have and disrespect them so much that they showed up for the appointment that was scheduled and the advisor had taken the day off and didn't know and didn't call. And I mean, that's something where if you have an issue like that. So same thing. If you have an advisor that's just not on top of their game and, um, our, you know, promises are falling through, um, service standards are dropping. Obviously, those are things you want to get rid of. And that could be a very, very well-intentioned advisor. I'm not saying that, that, that people are always, you know, devious or, you know, we're not talking scumbags here. We're talking about a person who just maybe is overwhelmed. Maybe they have more, uh, the higher, that's what I'm talking about with the higher end clients get all the attention because they generate the commissions. So if you're an average account and you're not a significant pain in their backside, many times you're kind of brushed to the back. And that's something that should not be, uh, happening anymore. Okay, so we got that one. Um, here's another one that I think is really important. If you don't understand either their plan or the strategy you're in or the products you own, and every time you ask, their explanation makes it worse, and their you know your confusion grows, that's probably a good sign to go. It's safe to assume that if your advisor is licensed in whatever financial area they're licensed in, whether that is um, insurance only or it's insurance and annuities or it's stocks and bonds whatever your advisor is pitching they had to have passed at least an exam so that they're you, you know you've got some knowledge there but having that technical knowledge and being able to translate it into normal english for people to understand who are not in our business is often I've, I've seen a very difficult task for advisors and I'll, I'm guilty of it too even though I have a training uh, in a background in acting and and, and uh, communication it's sometimes easy to forget that that you guys don't think on that same level in terms of terminology and um, have that same level of comfort with all of these financial um, uh, terms and philosophies and, and strategies. So for example, if I'm sitting here and you ask me, Jeremy, tell me again about why this you know strategy you have me in is the right one for me. And I start babbling on about uh, Monte Carlo simulations and 
um, you know, the beta on this is great, and look at this sharp ratio on this particular fund. And you walk out of my office more bewildered than you walked in, then it's not that your advisor may be a bad person, but they may be a bad communicator for you. And you may need to look for somebody who can explain things better. Okay. Early in my career, when I was doing so many new accounts, I would always ask, I would actually run my analogies by my teenage, at that time, my teenage kids and just say, guys, okay, I'm going to explain what a mutual fund is to you. And I would break out a, a notepad and literally I draw like stick figures and dumping money into a bucket and all of these little diagrams. And I'd, if I got my teenage kids nodding, oh yeah, I get it. I get it. Then I knew that that was going to be something that really any client across the table was going to understand. So like, for example, here, and I'm also watching as an advisor very carefully to see if the client is, or, or the prospective client is, if I'm losing them from across the table. You can tell because you guys get um, the glazy eyed deer in the headlights look of, of what did he just say? And you don't want to say it because you don't, I know most people don't want to feel like they're not intelligent or they, you know, they don't want to feel like they're, they're, um, they're, they're not up to a snuff on this subject. Although it's impossible to be unless you've been trained in this business because nobody gives you even a semester of personal finance at anywhere along the way. And I mean, our education in finance is terrible for uh, America. I think it's because they, we can keep you in, in, in a consumer mindset if we don't really talk to you about the damage debt can do and uh, what compound interest can do for your savings and things. So I think that the the powers that be are better served if you are kept ignorant uh, about money. So I think that's partly why they do it. But in the case of um, uh, your personal advisor, if you're sitting there and you're asking a question about something and here come the, the pie charts and the the morning star reports and you're trying to figure out what they're talking about when they talk about fund overlap and and uh, all of those things. If you leave more confused than you came in, you need to have a new advisor. Okay, uh, Albert Einstein said once that uh, that if you don't, if you can't explain something simply, you don't understand it well enough. So sometimes an advisor that's going on and on uh, about a subject doesn't know it very well, or you can always usually tell too of somebody that it may be an honesty issue if they can't come right out with it. Like for example, if you ask the advisor. How did I pay for this product? And if they give you some roundabout, blah, 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 about contingent deferred sales charge, and we got this, and we got administrative, and blah, blah, if you can't get a clear, concise, transparent explanation of how this cost you money to initially, um, and it's all over the place, you probably have either a person who doesn't understand the product well or doesn't want you to understand the product well. So find somebody that explains it in a way that you understand it and is patient with you. And like I do with my clients, I give them, I say, guys, at any point, stop me and say, ah, whoa, 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 back up and explain it again. I need to hear that the way I need to hear it. So, and that's their job to explain what they're doing. They, you, they are handling your money. You need to make sure that you know what's going on with it. Okay. So that's that one. Let's move on to the next. If your instincts tell you that something isn't right. Now that again is should be a no-brainer, but I, I think the way that the way that I used to hire employees when we were restaurant owners uh, more than a decade ago before I became a financial advisor was I'd be sitting across the table from an employee and I would ask them at that point my kids were only about 5 or 6 years old and I said um, I w- what I, and I just asked myself after all the interview questions were done would I trust them to watch my kids for the weekend? And if they 
would do so, then I think I could trust them with my business or an, uh, at least you know with my customer for the few hours a day that they were going to work. If I just, just felt like, God, I just would not trust them to watch my kids, I don't think I would trust them to watch my business, which was my livelihood. Okay, I think the same question is a good one to ask when you're sitting across or thinking about your financial advisor. Would I let them watch my kids or grandkids for a weekend? If you wouldn't, then why are you trusting them with your life savings? That makes no sense to me. So, but people do all the time. They, they, well, my dad was like the guy and so we're with him, but you know, I, I, I don't get a good feeling that I'm being treated fairly and honestly and that kind of thing. Guys, there's too many other financial advisors out there. There's too many, including robo advisors now. There's too many other places that you can go for advice, for opinions, for account management to be sitting there with somebody who you really don't trust. Okay. And I, I, I put in the blog entry that I won't go into just to keep our, our time here short, that that has to happen from the advisor looking at a prospective client as well. And we do that. When you first sit down with an advisor and you guys are assessing professionally whether you're going to be a good fit for the relationship, it's sort of like a first date. And you're looking across the, the table and you just, do, do we have enough in common to move forward? Is there an interest there? Is there a spark? And so there needs to be for you and your advisor a professional spark. And if it doesn't happen for you, move move on to another advisor and find one. You know, ask family and friends. They'll always have an advisor that has done right by them and that they would recommend. And I hope and hope, and I do get many, many referrals, but I always hope our clients are happy enough with the service and, and excited about working with me that they refer us. And that's really the, the mark of of success as a financial advisor or really any professional is if uh, you get the word of mouth of, of happy clients. That's terrific. But yeah, we've had to actually turn away clients at the table where I, I didn't get a good feeling about, for example, where this money came from. We, we're in a place uh, right at the border of uh, Mexico and Texas um, where drug money is, is a problem. Money laundering is a, is a concern we have to keep an eye on. And if you have people that have money and they just can't really explain how they came into it or, or, are evasive kind of the the question just doesn't sit right we we will uh, pass on taking on their business so something for you to do the same take a pass on people you don't have to feel pressured or bullied into or or intimidated into becoming anybody's client it's your money okay take it's your money you pick the person you want to have work it um how about just the last maybe three or four here if you simply no longer enjoy the relationship I hope that all of my clients see my name on the caller ID and call when I call and go, Oh, Jeremy, awesome. You know, let me talk to him for a few minutes to see what's up. If it gets to the point where when you see that caller ID and you're like, Oh, not, not him again, it's time to move on. Okay. This relationship is supposed to be a long term, very fair, I mean, fairly deep relationship that develops between the advisor and the client because you're going to share with me all sorts of very personal things. You're going to share with me all about your current actual real financial situation, not the one we pretend to our neighbors and family members, okay? The real one. How much debt do you really have? How, what really worries you at night? How's your health really? Okay, those kinds of things. What, what, what dreams do you have about the future? You're sharing with me your dreams and your aspirations about what you want the rest of your life to look like. And maybe you'd want to talk even about leaving behind money for family members or, or causes that are important to you. So, and then over the course of that time that you are a client, we have to 
do battle with things that happen in your life. We have to make course corrections because the markets did something unexpected, but we have to be there for each other. And uh, my job is, is also a lot about helping you manage your emotions when things aren't going the way that we thought they would originally. So it becomes very deep in a very trust trusting relationship. And if you don't feel that anymore for that advisor, it's okay to go. It's There's nothing wrong with that. Okay. Last two, and we'll get down over here quickly. How about if you uh, inherit money, for example, you don't have to automatically inherit the advisor that was uh, managing the account. Your grandpa's advisor knew your grandpa, not you. And you should not be invested in the same mindset as your grandfather. A 30-year-old needs an advisor who understands millennials and Generation X and Y, not one who is dealing with the greatest generation. Okay, there's, and, you know, if your advisor is 65, they may have profound uh, uh, knowledge about the products they're comfortable with, but they will have probably very scant knowledge about some of the new things like robo technology that might be the, of interest to you. Okay. I walk a real weird middle of the road where I have, I'm like, I'm 44 right now. So I have clients as young as, you know, early 20s and all the way into their mid to upper 80s. And we have, you know, I've got kind of the spread there. I'm like dead center where I'm still cool to the young people, but I'm old enough to know what I'm talking about to the older folks. So it works out well. But in, in your case, if you inherit it, for example, you inherit your parents' accounts, and your parents really, really love that advisor, it's okay to stay with them if you feel the same thing. If you feel like, yes, this person knows me, knows my family, understands that my parents or whoever this money was, that their strategy is going to have to be different from mine and is willing to bend and change to accommodate me as the client instead of just carrying on like this is still dad's money, then it's okay to stay. Otherwise, feel free to take that account and go. Um, no issues with that. Okay, and finally, the last one, if you guys have any questions. If the advisor himself or herself steps down or retires, it's okay to leave also. And that's actually probably the easiest one for a lot of advisors to, or for clients to do. When I was an employee advisor at a major firm, um, you guys, your accounts, you, my clients' accounts were with that firm, okay? But your relationship was with me. And so when I decided at literally the earliest opportunity I could, I knew that I would have to be an independent advisor in order to do ethically what I wanted to do for clients, which was to work for you, not for a company who was so profit motivated. I needed to learn how to do things um, uh, on the cheap business-wise so that I could do uh, lower costs for you guys and, and run a, manage your accounts uh, in a more cost-sensitive manner. Um, anyway, so when I went independent, though, I had to go to all of my existing clients and tell them, guys, I know that your relationships with me and I know that, that uh, uh, you know, you were used to seeing this particular firm's name on your statements, but I am leaving the firm. I'm forming my own firm and I'd like your, you know, consider coming with me. You do not have to, but if you liked the relationship, come with. And over 85% of the clients I had came with me, which is, which is a really, really high number for the um, industry when advisors leave, but it, what a neat thing to, what a testament of the, the relationship when you have a client say, we're with you, Jeremy. We know, we know that you've done right by us. We're with you. To me, that was the greatest, most honor feeling, uh, and, and, and at the same time, humbling, um, uh, one of the most humbling moments of my life, actually, when you had a person say, you know what? I trusted you with my money when you were with big firm, 
and you say you're, you can do better for me by going independent. I'm going to trust you and take my money there. And I had so many of them do it. So when the advisor steps down and retires, um, it's probably a good time to either fire the advisor if you'd rather stay with the firm. Okay. Uh, you'll be assigned a new advisor and then you have to figure out if you like that one. Or you can go with the advisor to a new, to their new firm. Okay. The one thing I would say to, to, on this particular, um, caveat, this, this particular, uh, reason is please make sure before you make a change like that. And I actually, let me say this. This extends to all nine reasons or any other reason you may have to, to let an advisor go. Don't let a person like me trying to woo your business in do it without you carefully looking over what it will cost you from an account termination point of view. And also from a tax point of view, not all the time will the investment that you're in be able to just lift up and transfer over to a new advisor. Sometimes it has to be liquidated and then reinvested over there. Okay. Which if it transfers are much, you know, usually less cost, costly than a liquidation and a repurchase. So just make sure that you have looked over the reasons to, to switch and that you've also looked at the financial cost benefit analysis. Um, to make sure that you still feel comfortable that it's worth doing. Okay, that's pretty much all I have today. I appreciate you guys' time very much. Trying very hard, even though the money in 30 podcasts is what it's called. I end up with a money in 42, something like that. So I'm trying to thin these out as we go. But I'd love to hear from you about any feedback you have on our our podcasts or any other financial topics you'd like us to talk about. I'm more than happy to add that to our queue, and we'll add it in there, and we'll even say thank you on the air for it. Uh, my name is Jeremy Torgerson. I am the CEO, again, of Invest Advisors. Please check us out on on the web at nvestadvisors.com. You can email me directly at jtorgerson at nvestadvisors.com. I hope you have a great week, and until we talk to you next time, take care.